2: on your thursday episode of locked on raptors how did one of the worst offenses in basketball outscore the best we'll get into that and so much more breaking down a super fun 132-131 win in indy with jamar Hines, raptors republic let's get to it oh because like, when
0: i shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind of miss. So.
3: you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
2: going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, November the 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners out there. And I am your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good at Woodley, Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can come join us in our Locked On Raptors Discord, which was absolutely hopping last night. During the game of the season, the Raptors, of course, taking down the Indiana Pacers 132-131. We're gonna get into all of it on today's show, and I'm quite excited because that game had me buzzing for hours. I did not go to bed at a reasonable time last night, mostly because that game had me too juiced up. Of course, a reminder: you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, uh, subscribe, follow, rate, review, hit the little notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode when it premieres. And I appreciate all of those who uh, all, all of those of you who have supported the show and will support the show in. The future. All right, let's get to it and bring in our guest, the god of the game recap from Raptors Republic. Now a credentialed media member, getting into the building, doing the doing the recaps on the ground. It's Jamar Hines. Jamar, how the hell are you, pal?
0: I'm doing good. And for credential purposes, I couldn't have picked a better first credentialed game with that Wizards comeback uh, last <sighs> Monday. That was crazy. But yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right.
2: Awesome, man. Uh, Glad to see that you're uh, in and around the building a little bit. It's awesome. It's awesome. The game recaps are only going to get better from here. They're already bloody good. Uh, All right. We're going to dig into the Raptors win over the Pacers. It was extremely fun. I think the game of the season, there have been a few bangers so far this year. The Dallas game comes to mind. The waxing of the Bucks comes to mind. Opening night against Minnesota was a pretty fun game, but this one, considering what happened the night before, the complete spanking at the hands of the Orlando Magic, who just beat the Nuggets last night, by the way. Maybe the Magic are
0: good. Ugh, hate it. Uh, but I mean, they're what, 10-5 or something? So. Yeah,
2: I really, really don't like it at all, man. It's not fun. Uh, they we're supposed to like point fun at the magic and say ha 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 you're the magic and make them make ourselves feel good but that's not a thing anymore but we can make ourselves feel good by looking at last night's raptors pacers game in which the toronto raptors kept pace with the team that basically is just doing suicides with a basketball uh at all times just never stops running Yet the raptors were able to keep up and and pull it out by one point we will get into malachi flynn and for the third time this season the best game of his career we will get into the good the bad and the hmm but off the top let's just kind of dive in here jamar this was a very styles make fights game and i loved it i think that stylistic diversity is one of the best things about the nba when they're when it exists throughout the league and you could not have had two different teams like more different teams coming into one another last night Obviously, the very bad offense for the Raptors, very good defense, and lots of guys to kind of handle the various offensive stars on the Indiana Pacers. We'll talk about OG Ananobi on Tyrese Halliburton, I'm sure. Uh, and of course, the Raptors, they like to run a lot. That When they do run, they're pretty effective. And it all came together in this one. What to you was sort of the biggest reason why the Raptors were able to kind of play the Pacers game and come out with the victory?
0: Because you can score on them, too.
2: I understand. You sure can,
0: man. You sure can. <laughs> I mean, I understand that the Pacers score 128 points a game, which is crazy. So mm-hmm. you knew you were going to have to score around 130 to beat them. But, and they, they're ranked first in basically every offensive category. They average like 50% from the field, which is hilarious because we just came off an Orlando game where they hit the 50% mark for the first time this season. <laughs> so, you know, the, the Pacers had already dropped two hundred and fifty 150 point games. The Raptors have never dropped one than 144. So, you know, the offensive numbers are crazy, but then when you look at the defensive side, they have the second worst defensive rating. They too give up 50% from the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know you, you're able to score it and just looking into that game you could tell if you just saw the Mavs game where they had a bunch of undersized wings on Pascal except for Luca who who's not a defender in his own right you knew that this was going to be a game where Pascal could find matchups and cook and that's exactly what he did there were stints mm-hmm. where Buddy Heald was on him uh Bruce Brown was on him and Bruce Brown's a good defender but He's, there's a big size advantage, uh, disadvantage there for him. So this was a game you knew that Pascal was going to get going. Threes dropping helped. And I kind of have to laugh a little bit. It's funny uh, regarding Indiana with uh, Rick Carlisle team, because going back into Rick Carlisle's coaching history, you know, he got he started with the Pistons before before they were champions. I'm talking like the Pistons, the Raptors facing the playoffs, and when you know Ben Wallace and company was just coming up. Then he went to Indiana. That was a good defensive team, the team that had uh, the whole Mouse and the Palace thing, and even Dallas when um, they won a championship. You know, they played solid defense. Even Dwayne Casey got a lot of credit for that, and that's how he ended up being a head coach again. But this team defensively, it's like completely non-existent and it's just I I wonder if he's sitting and I know Rick Carlisle's an offensive guy for sure but I wonder if he's just sitting there scratching his head like I can't believe we're playing like this (laughs) end." like that has to grind his gears a little bit because he's never had a defense this bad but they're incredible offensively and it's got to be and I know OG had moments against Tyrese Halliburton but this has got to be one of the few matchups where it's just like, despite OG's efforts, Halliburton kind of did what he wanted to do anyway, except for some stints at the end where it's just like, okay, what do you like? It's it's doing these fadeaways with that funky jump shot that I wasn't (laughs) too wild about coming out of college. So he's proven everybody wrong, but it's just like, what do you do? We're regarding that.
2: He's incredible, man. Like, just a total offensive engine. And look, you know, you need an offensive engine that potent when your defense is this porous. Um, like, look, I love the Pacers, they're super fun. They're going to get railroaded in the playoffs if they make it to the playoffs by I think whoever they play because of just like the insane imbalance of the way that they roll out. But man, they're uh they're a blast to watch, and I could yeah, easily watch fun. the Raptors be in games against them all season long because
0: it uh it's Actually, pretty thrilling. You know what they remind me of a little bit? They mm. remind me of the without the without the top end talent. They remind me of what Dan Tony was trying to do when he just got to the Suns before sure. he started to think about defense. Where it's like seven seconds <laughs> or less, inbound the ball, try to score right away. Ah, defense is optional. Ola, whatever, cool. We just wait yeah. till we get the ball back again. Okay, go we'll score, go we'll score. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those. But they don't have the Amari Stoudemire, Joe Johnson. Um,
3: no.
2: Uh,
0: well, I'm forgetting somebody. The Quentin uh, Richards, Sean Sean Marion. Sean yeah. Marion is the guy I was thinking of. I mean, they have yeah. Halliburton doing his his best Steve Nash impression, but then the rest of the guys, it's like, I mean, Buddy Heel was amazing. Obviously, he hit he 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 for a long time couldn't miss from three, but then yeah. obviously the talent drop off from there. But they're trying it, they're trying it. It's very fun to watch.
2: For sure. Um, for the Raptors in this one, you mentioned OG on Halliburton. I I yeah. still, even though Halliburton got his numbers, and I think They scored something like 72 points on like 48 possessions on which OG was guarding Halliburton. Not exactly shutting off the source of the offense at the faucet, but he made him work his ass off in this game. And like that's all you can ask for against a dude who can pull up from 32 feet away and also throw just like carving passes all throughout your defense. I I thought, and especially late in this game, obviously Halliburton got that really impressive... Uh, off-balance floater to fall with O.G. kind of draped all over it. a couple do do possessions. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah, he fouled them once, but I thought O.G. late in this game, his defense on Halliburton just was so huge, and, you know, it was awesome. It was a delight. You know, go you go back to Pascal as well uh, as far as, like, ways in which they were able to kind of keep up with the Pacers here. I mean, yeah, they didn't have the three-point volume by any means. They're never going to have the three-point volume against a team like this. But 11 of 27, they got it done. They got to the rim at will in this game. And Pascal, I mean, as the game progressed as well, and I think we started to see this—you know—the fear of Pascal cooking dudes one-on-one. It bleeds into how the defense is going to guard him, and then it leads to open threes for OG in the corner right. or Scotty Barnes on keeper plays, where everyone's worried about Pascal getting the handoff. And Scottie goes in for the, you know, Jonas don't get the end of the game. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really nice stuff. And so um, I, I thought just masterful stuff from Pascal in this one. And yeah, like take the advantages where they are. The Pacers are probably the least equipped team in basketball to guard Pascal Siakam. There are a lot of teams yeah. that don't have guys for Pascal. The Pacers chief among them. And just using that matchup advantage and kind of spamming it throughout the entire game was, uh, I thought, a stroke of genius. I also want to give a little credit to Dennis Schroeder here, who, look, I thought his defense on Buddy Heald in this one was a little wild. He was a little reckless. He was a little overzealous. He got caught out of position a ton, you know, jumping too much and kind of giving up open threes and, and whatnot. But, you know, Schroeder now the last couple games out, bailing out this offense when things kind of, you know, slog down, able to just kind of cook dudes off the bounce one-on-one. The, the, the floater range stuff is going again. Uh, lots of really good stuff in this one to pull away, and uh, you know, the fact that they came back had the energy after on a back to back. I know the Pacers run a back to back too, and the Pacers yeah. play b- basically every game at a full on sprint, and so they're probably exhausted as well. Um, but I, I just thought really, really inspired stuff from the Raptors to like this is a like the Pacers are punishing, man, they run non stop. You have to kind of keep your attentiveness for 48 minutes against them because they are not going to slow down. And i was just really really impressed with how the raptors were able to pull it off um one guy who was maybe the most shockingly impressive of all malachi flynn we're going to talk about him he was awesome in this game we'll get into him and we'll get into some interesting lineup stuff with him and shooting players and the two best players on the raptors we'll get into all that coming up in just one second but first just a reminder, you can check out the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel. Go check it out. It is available on YouTube all day long. The biggest stories from around the sports world and the national show is being covered on a 24-7 loop of Locked On programming. It's the first channel of its kind. Go and check it out on the tube.
3: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
2: All right, Jamar, we continue on here with uh, our breakdown of the Raptors win over the Pacers on Wednesday night. A really much needed win as well. You don't want to fall to six and nine, uh, two straight losses against teams kind of in your theoretical range in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so really nice to see them pull this one out and really nice to see Malachi Flynn have the game that he did. 14 points, four boards, two assists, uh, He was six of eight from the field, two of three from deep and some, like, really tenacious defense in spots and a couple of massive just, like, broken play buckets that were essential to keeping this one alive for the Raptors. Uh, what were your takeaways on Malachi Flynn in this game? Because he was bloody awesome. And like I said off the top, kind of the third time this year already we've said, wow, this was the best game of his career, wasn't it? I think this was the best game of his career. Okay, so I have numerous takes.
0: First of all, I'm gonna take we're a- gonna
2: we're gonna quote quote that one. Uh, <laughs> keep that
0: clip. <laughs> First of all, I'm gonna take a hell of a lot of credit. Why am I gonna take a lot of credit Please for this? Do. <laughs> because if you remember, I come on here bi weekly, typically every Thursdays, right? Yep. Now what game did the Raptors play the last time I was here?
2: Uh, the last best game of Malachi Flynn's career against Dallas.
1: Exactly. Correct? That was the Mavs
0: game. So <laughs> clearly we have something going on where every time I come on here, we talk about Malachi Flynn. All right. So I'm going to take a lot of credit there. It's, it's, it's on me. Anyway, when you talk about broken plays, the one that comes directly to mind is the one where Boucher missed a bunny in the fourth from Malachi kind of just flew out of nowhere and grabbed the offensive rebound and laid it in. That was huge. That was, mm-hmm. I think that gave the Raptors a lead in that, in that all play, but flynn was big time in the second quarter because you know coming off the first quarter raptors gave of what 35 points the defense was kind of shoddy they had to call you know quick timeouts a uh, mm-hmm. bunch of wide open shots everywhere i mean they cut it to eight it looked like the first few minutes looked like it was going to be like oh my gosh here we go again but you know they they got settled in and then i malachi did a really great job kind of bringing the team back he went on uh personal 8-2 run where he had to hit a three had a drive then og found him for another three and then after that the raptors were never really out of like i would want to say they were never down less than probably like four or five points yeah after they were that in touch was, the entire way yeah, yeah exactly so that that run got them right back in the game he had another wild drive in the fourth quarter i don't even know how he made that shot or he, <laughs> oh it's kind of like, like one through, of those yeah Yeah, that that little step-through flip thing, shot thing. But, no, I don't think this is that much of a surprise anymore. And even Pascal talked about it after the game where he was saying that, you know, Malachi can kind of game plan now knowing that he's going to come into the game. And he's not looking over his shoulder to see, okay, if I make one mistake, I might get taken out, and obviously, that does a huge thing for your confidence, when you kind of know what your spots are, it helps you get into a rhythm, and now that he has that, I feel like these games, we've already seen a few of them, where I don't think these games were going to be that much of a surprise, we talked about the Mavs game, but then, you know, you look at the Wizards game as well, where he was in the closing lineup, and making key plays, so I feel you're going to see this from Malachi more often than not, and I just, I just, I, I, I guess the surprise factor is a little bit there still. He got the uh, what is it called, rule of the day or something like that chain. You got the is chain, that, is yeah, that, yeah. I, I, yeah. Just, I, I just, I forget to that it as name.
2: The chain, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I, yeah, Darko had a whole explanation. When people were angry that Boucher got it instead of Siako.
2: Basically, <laughs> just a version of the dude of the game segment that used to exist yeah. on this podcast. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh yeah, basically my takeaway is that yeah, he's making plays more consistently. You know, obviously he had a rough start to the season, but Darko was stuck with him. You know, he's he's the backup point guard, and I think he can be more consistent down the road. There's an argument to be
2: made. That he's been their most effective bench player this season, yeah. which is maybe damning with faint praise, but also credit to Malachi, man. Like, you know, this is a dude who people were clamoring to be cut in the preseason in lieu of Jeff Doughton Jr. And look, Jeff Doughton Jr. wouldn't be having a game like last night, I don't think. Uh, You know, we don't have to stomp on Jeff Doughton Jr. now that he's down. But um, I, I think it's very clear. Like the reason they took him on this team and kept him around a money, but also b like, he does things that in theory help the Raptors a lot and that they desperately need. They need guard play and they need shooting. And he is providing both of those things right now, which is pretty awesome on the season. 40% from three on 2.7 attempts overall, 47% from the field, his previous career high from the field, 39, Um, you know, 59% true shooting. Fifty-nine percent true shooting for a guy who, in his career before, had yet to get over forty-eight point eight percent true shooting
0: in a season. That's massive. His career. I I didn't know that. Is he never hit forty percent from the field in a season? That's news to me.
2: Yeah, no, he hits just like he'd not hit shots before, and now he's hitting shots, and all of a sudden. Maybe they got themselves a player here. And look, we're way too early to figure out like, oh, like what is uh, the future of Malachi Flynn? Does he get another contract with the Raptors, et cetera, et cetera? Um, You know, odds are probably not at this point, but he can certainly play himself into being a cost effective player for this team going forward. And that would be just massive, right? Like this team has been yearning for some kind of player development success for a long time. And if Malachi Flynn becomes found money and can be a reasonable backup point guard for you, that's pretty sweet. And the thing that is kind of giving me a little bit of hope that maybe this is actually a thing is he has performed very well in lineups with the best Raptors players. And the Raptors have performed very well when he has been on the floor with their best players. This is not my hmm for the day. I have a different hmm, but this could be an honorary hmm. Uh over 75 possessions per clean the glass. Malachi Flynn playing with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. That three-man trio, plus 25 net rating over those 75 possessions. The offense, 137.3 offensive rating. Defense, 112.3. You'll totally take that pretty encouraging and, and I think it speaks to the general thing with Scotty and Pascal where you put shooters around them and we saw this last night their two-man game really working well in tandem screening actions you get pick and pops with Scotty popping and, and Pascal driving. three you get uh you know Scotty at the elbow Pascal cutting buckets like you get the the handoff at the end of the game. those two dudes with space around them can make sweet sweet basketball magic happen and if Malachi Flynn can be one of those agents of spacing, That is huge for both, you know, kind of figuring out what it all looks like with the two best guys on this team. If that's something viable going forward, that actually helps you collect data on what a Scotty Pascal plus shooting situation can look like. And it also just kind of alleviates a lot of the bench concerns this team has had um, and a lot of the guard play concerns. Like we saw against the Magic, having guards is valuable. And even if they're not perfect, just the skill sets that guards bring to the table, the speed, the driving, the penetration, the shooting... Is something the team just so badly needs and something those lineups with Scotty and Pascal also desperately need. And I think we're seeing that in the starting lineup, which struggled again last night. Uh, now a negative net rating on the season for the starting lineup. Keep an eye on that. Uh, 0.8 overall over the course of the season. Um, leading the team in minutes, of course, as a five-man group. You know, I don't think you're changing the starting lineup right now necessarily because Gary Trent Jr. is not exactly playing well. And I don't know exactly what the move is. Do you take out Schroeder? Do you take out Yaka Purdle? interesting but um yeah the, the malachi flynn like makes a lot of their lineups make a lot more sense and really really is uh like just bombing away man like go ahead hit 40 percent of your threes i'll take that all bloody day and let malachi flynn go and do his thing on the floor uh, any parting shots on this whole thing
0: well, yeah, you you nailed it with the the spacing, and that's exactly why he's been in closing lineups lately. Hmm. Because when you have Scotty and Pascal on the floor, especially a game like yesterday where you know it was very simple gameplay, and give it to Pascal in the post, let him draw attention, and if they don't, he doesn't draw attention, he could just score himself. Yeah, where a guy is gonna come over, and then that'll leave a guy open like a Flynn or somebody where you want to space the court. So him being able to space the court, you saw it in the Wizards game where he closed as well that does wonders for the Raptors offense that a lot of times, you know, they don't have that type of spacing. And we've been looking for people who can, you know, consistently make shots. Malachi has done that. So
2: I, I also say this is not a, this is also a, hmm, I guess, but it will I have a better hmm for the end of How the many do you have? Look, man, this was a hmm filled game. What can I say? But Flynn 40% from three Dennis 39, Gary 38, Scotty 38, OG 38. It's not bad. Not bad you know you but their defenses aren't worried about a lot of these guys just yet but you keep up that sort of uh, rate of three-point efficiency things get a lot easier for everybody I think uh we're going to come back on the other side with the good the bad and the hmm, even though I've already done many hums from the uh, this game against the Pacers, but we'll do all that coming up in just one second. But before we do that, just a reminder, go check out Locked On Leafs. Our pals Mike and Dave over on Locked On Leafs doing a great job covering the buds who are endlessly interesting. William Nylander looking awesome in a contract year. Uh, that's a whole thing. Go check out Locked On Leafs. Mike and Dave, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube for the latest on them buds.
3: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
2: All right, Jamar. Let's round it out. It's the good. It's the bad. It's the hmm. The way we round out every game recap episode of the podcast. A thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got got us a little intrigued from the most recent Toronto Raptors game. We'll start with the good. What do you have
0: for your good, sir? My good is a the best two-way segment, I mean, sequence of the game. So mm-hmm. it was about like a minute and a half left. I believe the Raptors were down two. I want to say mm-hmm. the score was 125-123. You talked about OG's defense on Halliburton, you know, making him work, uh, and especially late, late in the game. Well, this was a possession where the whole team was locked in. So it started with OG uh, shutting off a Halliburton drive. Then he kicks it to Buddy Healed. Shooter, you know, struggled on Buddy Heald, but this particular possession, Heald tried to drive. Shooter cut him off as well. Then the ball went to Miles Turner, who Scotty Barnes was guarding. Ended up, and obviously Indiana, we said, I talked about it earlier. They want to shoot really early in the shot clock. When the shot clock starts to run, the, the you know the quality of their, their their shot goes way down. So anyway, it ended up on a Miles Turner tr- trying to post up Scotty very contested hook shot misses great defensive possession one of the best defensive possessions of the game then on the other hand pascal gets the ball in the post gets the double og in the corner hits the three puts the raptors up one i just felt like that was probably the best two-way sequence of the entire game yes indiana scored again right away and took the lead again because that's just what they do but that uh, that two-way sequence was just huge for me and yeah, it was just picture perfect what you want for a good 30 to 40 seconds.
2: Yeah, like they had a few possessions late like we talked about where they were just super locked in defensively. I thought Scotty honestly, a weird Scotty game, like his touch was off from the sort of floater range in this one. They probably win pretty comfortably if it wasn't honestly. Um but I thought Scotty in this one did a pretty good job at in a really difficult spot as the last line of defense at the rim. Yeah, a few makes here and there, but also a few really really important stops. Um, and as that sort of backline guy, it's looking all right. Is that a, a preview to my hmm? I think it is. We will uh get to that shortly. Um, it's funny,
0: it's yeah. funny though when he with, with Scotty because I feel like there's been a, a few games where it's just like oh, I don't think Scotty's having the greatest game. And then when you look at the boss score, it's like oh, yeah, 20 points, 12 boards, he's walking
2: six, 20 into 20 his stats. 12. It's just like
0: yeah. he, he just whether he's having a game where he pops out or not, it just he's just crushing the the stat sheet. It's it's amazing. Turns out hitting a couple threes every
2: night is a pretty good way to kind of balloon your, your totals and help you walk into your stats. And he's hitting a couple threes every night. It's pretty intriguing and uh, very important to uh, basically every big question. The Raptors have to answer at some point here this season. Uh, My good uh, shout out to dark Ariakovich. I thought he really had a finger on the pulse in this one. He was really good with his timeouts and they drew some pretty nice stuff up out of timeouts. They were talking about this on the broadcast and it was very obvious. Like, they're coming around. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me as, as far as like ATO efficiency or anything like that right now. Um, but I, just anecdotally, some really nice stuff drawn up. And, of course, that Scotty Barnes play at the end, uh, just beautiful, simple play design, leveraging the guy who's cooking the other team to get your other really good player going downhill towards the basket. Good things happen when that happens. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, just subtle, nice, good stuff that the uh, Raptors head coach was running last night. And, uh, you know, the fact, I don't know, is is it coaching to have the team kind of ready and locked in the way they were after being so not locked in the night before? I don't know. That's all kind of ethereal stuff. But in general, I thought Darko did a really damn good job managing this game, picking the lineups he wanted to go with, not running too long with the same look as well. I think kind of mixing up the looks and kind of confusing Tyrese Halliburton, which is kind of what you got to do against a guy like that. It's like Luka Doncic, where you throw the same coverage at him three times in a row. He's going to figure it out. Halliburton is very much the same, it seems. And so I thought they did a good job kind of mixing and matching lineups. All right, little Yakupurto here. We'll take him out here. And I thought it was uh, good stuff from Darko in this one. Let's go to the bad. What you got for your bad?
0: We could uh, we could be having a completely different conversation today. Right? <sighs> These two things ended up backfiring. So mm-hmm. I'm talking the final possession of the game. Gary Trent Jr., you know, he's, he's kind of been struggling. He misses the two free throws. Uh, people will do that really untimely to miss two free throws in that situation up one to trying to, you know, make it at least a, so that they can go for the tie at the very, at the very worst. So anyway, one point game, they go down the court uh, shooter gets lost on healed, which he did quite a bit heal. I mean, like it's a little bit further out from the three point line, but healed has that type of range. So as mm-hmm. soon as he catches it and he's so wide open, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is how they're going to lose. Thankfully, it misses. So you know, Gary Gary gets away. Shooter gets away, and then he had the audacity. I guess it's a whole Dennis the Menace thing. He had the audacity <laughs> to kind of taunt Halliburton after the miss. He just <laughs> pointed, and I'm like, "Really, dude? You almost <laughs> lost the game." Dude,
2: just buddy. put thirty three and sixteen on your ass. I don't care if you lost.
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious, but it just we got got kind of lucky at the end there. So that, that's still kind of my bad because we could, yeah we could easily be six and nine right now after those two, two sequences, but we're not. So I, yeah, I think it
2: would have broken me had they <sighs> lost the game that way. Just like I would have been Quinn Buckner on the Pacers broadcast after. Did you see this clip? Yeah. Quinn Buckner. Just,
0: oh, oh, oh,
2: oh. <laughs> it, it sounded not unlike the woman who falls out of like the, the grape stomping bucket. Uh, and hurts her ankle. It, people from the internet in 2000 in 2008 will know this video that i'm talking about um shout out quinn buckner my bad the turnovers man uh yeah only 17 in this game they kind of rein it in they had like eight in the first like six minutes or something crazy like that they got to figure out a way to be a little less reckless i think scotty barnes a pretty big culprit here just some pretty audacious passes in really tight quarters yeah, lobs where he's just kind of not got the timing down. Um, just, yeah, a lot of sort of, well, why do you throw in that pass for kind of situations? Not just Scotty, a whole bunch of guys in this game. Um, every member of the starting five, at least two turnovers. Just that's teamwork, baby. Um, yeah, just kind of buying into the ethos. But yeah, um, like, I mean, you're seeing the impact of not having sort of like a steady rock solid point guard to run the show. And you're seeing the impact of throwing a whole lot of passes in an offense that is very often working in very close confines. There's going to be turnovers. they got to figure out a way to rein this in somewhat. I know Darko Ryakovich's whole thing was, hey, sometimes turnovers are good. They're a byproduct of good basketball, but a lot of it has not been good basketball when they've been really turnover heavy. Thankfully, they bailed themselves out and got a little bit more safe with it down the stretch last night, and I don't think those two things are unconnected at all. Uh, What were you going to say?
0: Yeah, just one point about the turnovers. That's the one thing I'll give Indiana a little bit of credit for. In the first quarter, I thought they were really aggressive in the passing lanes, and Mm -hmm. it worked out for them, and it got a lot of easy offense for them. So the Raptors did clean that up in in the second half, but I, I thought Indiana did a really good job at the passing lanes early in the game.
2: Sure. And, and I guess to counter my, everyone had two turnovers or more in the starting five. Everyone also had at least four assists in the starting five. So, um, yeah, turnovers are going to be part of the deal. they just, you got to get rid of the very, very stupid ones. I think is kind of, uh, uh, you know, part of the process, you know, the ones that kind of come within the flow of the offense where you try and stuff. Sure. But just like these passes that have no shot got to work on that a little bit. And uh, I'm sure they will, because this is a young team figuring stuff out my,
0: what's your, hmm? let's round it out with the, hmm. what you got? Uh, My home is Grady Dick and mm. the reason why I bring this up and I'm, I'm not like overreacting or anything but I'm just looking around the rest of this class and you know we just played Orlando uh, a couple days ago and Jet Howard was with the g league and i'm just wondering because he didn't even he didn't play last night uh his, his three-point shot has been off i know he was doing he's been doing a lot of little things like you know grabbing hitting the glass and stuff like that but the raptors drafted him to be a shooter and he's averaging four points on 27 from the field and 24 from three mm-hmm. i just wonder if if he's starting to fall out of the rotation do you send him to the g league to kind of you know keep him playing and get some reps in Mm -hmm. i mean like just just you know just to keep him going instead of him just being on the bench i i I don't know i mean you could go either way on this one uh i'm not just overreacting to one game where he didn't play but i do feel like it would be beneficial for him to get his rhythm some way so I, i was just wondering what you think about that yeah, I mean, my thing with
2: Grady in the G League. Look, there's nothing wrong with going to the G League, right? It's been a very fruitful ground for a lot of players over the years. Maybe playing with Marquise Noel and like the wizardry of his passing is a helpful thing for a guy like Grady. I I do think though, for me, like, yeah, you know, you don't have to play him every game by any means. I would hope that he gets some opportunities to get into these games. At least if like Gary Trent Jr. is going to continue struggling and whatnot auto porter jr is not going to play every game i do think there needs to be some space carved out for grady dick within the sort of flow of things in the regular season for the raptors because i do think a player like him his whole thing is amplifying better players and i think you know he's also right now trying to learn the speed of the nba and you learn the speed of the nba by being immersed in the speed of the nba and And maybe there's the argument that college to the G League to the NBA is like a logical sort of progression on the speed thing. Maybe you go to the G League to kind of get sort of acquainted with what's up with pro guys. But I kind of think his game and what he does is more conducive to just kind of figuring it out at the NBA level. Okay. um i could be totally wrong i'm not a player development wizard by any means um that said if he's not going to play i agree like probably just send him down to get him some reps we'll see if this continues the the trend of dnp um if that's the case then totally go get him some rundown with the 905 but i would be pretty all right if he was still part of the nba rotation because you got to figure this stuff out right you got to try to get him up to speed and i i think you know this is the thing with this season I don't think anyone's looking at sort of like high end outcomes here. No one's looking at a championship or a conference finals run being the ultimate goal for this year. The ultimate goal should be to figure out, Hey, what works around Scotty Barnes and, you know, go from there. And I think Grady Dick certainly has a place within that, but yeah, if he's not going to play 905, probably not the worst idea in the world. Uh, My hmm to round it out, Jamar much teased Toronto Raptors kind of kicking ass in the clutch Uh, 34 clutch minutes so far this year plus 17.9 net rating that's the seventh best crunch time net rating in the league and a 94.3 defensive rating that is the fifth best defensive rating in the league and it's like half a point out of uh being third and a lot of that is coming with og scotty and pascal as the 345 there was some yak in the game last night till about the two minute mark where he came out but a lot of what the raptors have done in these close games has been with that small ball group 3 345 with whatever you have, whether it's Gary Tread Jr. and Dennis Schroeder or Malachi Flynn or Otto Porter Jr., whatever it's been, those lineups have been basically universally successful. And uh, just keeping an eye on that, right? Like, this, again, we're in the sort of information gathering phase with this team. If those three guys can hold up on defense to the degree in which they've held up, and they've more than held up, they've been incredible, that's a crunch time weapon for you on top of the offense being very strong with those three guys together with some space around them as well. It's a thing to watch, man. And I, uh, you know, very encouraged. I did not think this was going to be a great crunch time team because I thought the offense was going to bog down and be kind of nasty. But if they're taking out Yaka Pirtle for these minutes and going with a more offense forward approach and Scotty Barnes at, as the lat- backline rim protector can help, you know, still hold up the defense. That's a thing. It's a thing to watch for sure. I know it's just 34 minutes. They played, I think, the 10th most clutch minutes in the NBA so far. Um, you know, I think they're five and three or four and three in those games. It's uh it's a thing to watch I would say it's the very essence of the hmm Jamar we'll round it out it's done we're over it's we had a thrilling time as thrilling as it was watching this basketball game what do you got for the good people out there to promote
0: I have a recap of their next game against the Bulls coming on Saturday morning afterwards I'm going to be in at season game. tournament consolation Whee! Hey, at least we're gonna know what they're gonna do between the dates of December one to December eleventh, really soon. Because there's right Mm -hmm. now there's a big gap in that schedule where we don't know what the schedule is. So that'll be filled pretty soon. I I tweeted that the Raptors have been um they they went from not being not having a tournament game to being out of the tournament in seventy four hours. Grand opening, grand (laughs) closing. Just like that was that was really quick. That was that was your Abe Simpson walk in, walk out. So yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe next year for the Raptors, they'll still have that court. Although, can I propose a rule? And this is mm. not just to bash the Raptors, but just in general. I feel if you've been—I don't think they've been mathematically eliminated from the in-season tournament yet. I don't think so. Although we we know they're we know they're done. But well, yeah, they'll I need feel... a whole bunch
2: of help and a whole bunch of forty-point wins in the next two games to boost that point differential. In in exactly. concert with that help, yes.
0: So yeah, I have an idea, uh, and this is my Jeff Van Gundy make a rule out of nowhere type of thing. But... <laughs> I feel if you were out of the in-season tournament and you still had games left on the schedule, like a home game, you don't deserve to get that court. You go back to your old court.
2: Interesting. Punishments. I like it. I'm in. Uh, Or you got to wear like your ugliest jersey. You got to wear a sleeved jersey from
0: 2011. (laughs) No, not that, not that. But yeah, other than that, you can follow me at Jamar BH like normal. My link to my Raptors Republic stuff is in my profile
2: hells yeah you can find me at woodley sean find the show on instagram at locked on raptors find the show on discord and our lovely free to join listener community link is in the description of the podcast as always you can do that also if you have not yet buy your tickets because saturday I will be the assistant coach of team media at the sport versus media charity basketball game at Mattamy athletic center alongside previous guests this week. As Henny. it's going to be tons of fun. Uh, we're going to drop tons of great stuff. We're going to get keeper plays rolling for will Lou. Can he dunk? We'll find out. Uh, so go and buy your tickets link in the description for those as well. Would love to see you there. And with that, we will round out today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow as Katie Hindle will be along and uh, we'll, we'll chat about something. We'll see whatever pops up throughout the course of the day. Till then, have a great rest of your day. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving to our listeners down in the States. And thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.
3: Hey, Prime members.